What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos. And you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to my shows. You get different threads that I post throughout the day and other random thoughts. So go ahead, show some support, hit the follow button there. And if you could also show some support on your podcast page, whatever it is on Google, Spotify, Apple, however it is you consume our show, if you could leave a five-star review, that would be really, really helpful. Help us to move up search results here while we're still in the early going. This is week 10 of the show, so we're, we're definitely progressing out of the early going, but uh, we're still in need of all the support that you guys can give us. So a five-star review is a really easy way for you guys at home to help out. Pretty standard show we got lined up for you guys today. We're going to be looking back at some of the bigger names, or bigger performances, rather, from yesterday. We're also going to be taking a look ahead to today, where we have quite a few aces taking the hill, so we're going to look at a couple of matchups there. And we'll also go through the waiver wire and look at some of the more added and dropped players. So I think we'll start off with Tyler Anderson, who I I couldn't be more happy about, to be honest. Uh, He's someone who I talked about at length on Twitter, on the show, and he was also featured in my article that went out on the weekend for two start pitchers that you guys should be adding for the week. Anderson was the highest performing fantasy player yesterday uh, in terms of points leagues. He went eight innings, gave you eight strikeouts, giving up five hits, and 39 and a half fantasy points. He got the victory. Uh, It was really... uh, Went as well as you could have hoped. Now, I was watching some of that game. In the seventh inning, he got into a little bit of trouble, and he loaded the bases. Freddie Freeman bailed him out with a very nice play, uh, which stopped any runs from coming in. I believe it was Michael Franco at the plate, and he had a little blooper to the first base side. Freddie made a great play, so stopped the runs from coming in there. He did have the bases loaded. And then the next inning, they sent him back out again, and I was a little bit nervous that maybe they should just you know, take what they've got, which was very solid to that point. But they sent him out for another inning, and no harm, no foul. Eight strong innings. Uh, Really, it went as well as I could have hoped. He's got another start this week against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So if he is still floating around on waiver wires, it would be a nice time to add him. I mean, you don't get the two-start advantage there. But you will still get the start against Arizona later in the week. I believe it's on Saturday, but either Saturday or Sunday now. I can't quite remember. But you will get one more start out of him there. The other guy who I was really uh, on about, and you know, we'll take the loss here, was Alex Cobb. I thought he would do better than he did, and honestly, it, it was down to a couple of questionable defensive plays and a couple of hard hit balls that really made his line look a lot worse uh, than it probably should have. Six innings pitched, he gave up 10 hits for the second consecutive outing, six earned runs, and seven strikeouts. It really does not tell you the whole story with Alex Cobb, because He's really gotten unlucky, and if you start to dig into the numbers, you'll see what I'm talking about. His ERA for the season is 6.25. His expected ERA is 1.90, one of the lowest hard hit percentages in baseball. He's got a very high 27.7 strikeout percentage. All the advanced metrics, every metric is good. There's not really anything that's that's concerning here at all. Uh, He strikes out a lot of guys. He's lowered his walk rate to the lowest it's been in a few years. The expected ERA is is sparkling at 1.90. The fact that it's translated to a 6.25 ERA is kind of shocking. So he's gotten terribly unlucky. It's a great chance to buy low, and I'm sure a lot of people have actually dropped him because a lot of people don't dig into the advanced numbers quite the same way that we do, that baseball people do, or not that baseball people, but 
some baseball people really dig into the advanced numbers. Some people just look on the surface, which is something that I did for a lot of years. But if you look at Alex Cobb here, the 625 ERA, the 1.55 whip, he's the 811th ranked player for Yahoo uh, leagues this season, and he's only 46% rostered. So people have kind of not really been digging in too deep, seeing that he is bound to turn around. So if he is floating around on waiver wires, then I would go and grab him immediately. If you know the opposing manager who owns him, or who rosters him, I should say, then it would make a lot of sense to try and send a low-ball trade offer in there because right now the value is in the toilet with the ERA where it is. If that manager knows the advanced numbers, you might not get so lucky, but a lot of people don't look into the advanced stuff, and you can send in a fairly low-ball offer for him and still, and still have it accepted, or at least be able to work something out after a couple of counters, perhaps. But he is definitely someone I would be trying to buy on. So the good with the bad, we're, uh, we're fully transparent here. Of the two guys, or there was three guys I recommended in that article. Uh, one of them hasn't pitched yet. Anderson was great. Cobb was not so great. So it happens. Uh, I'm glad that Anderson was great. I'm, I'm sorry for you guys who added Cobb. I did add Cobb in a few different places, and a little disappointing because regardless of how bad his luck was, it doesn't really matter for the ERA stat this week or if you were in points leagues for all the negatives that you got for those earned runs. So uh, it is... It is a boo-boo, uh, but not really because of how unlucky he's gotten. So, I mean, it's not something you can really project, although maybe we have to start projecting going forward that he will be unlucky. But it's hard to really say that. I mean, the numbers, you, you have to think uh, reasonably looking at the numbers that they will turn around. So I'm not worried about him at this point. Uh, I'm going to be totally fine in trying to acquire him low or in trying to pick him up off of waiver wires because he is going to be on quite a few waiver wires. Um, Okay, let's talk about something else. We talked about those two guys quite a bit. Let's go on to Aaron Judge, who I think is in the pole position at this point for the American League MVP. He has he had two home runs again yesterday, <clears throat> drove in three and also drew a walk. That was good enough for 32.9 fantasy points, and it also moved him into the number one spot on the season for category leagues. 17 home runs in 40 games. He's on pace to hit somewhere in the mid-60s for home runs. Now, will he cool off? Yes, he'll probably cool off. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to hit 60, although it's looking more and more possible every day. We don't really ever see 60 home runs, so it's hard to really say with any degree of accuracy that he's going to. I, there's a good chance of it, but I, I wouldn't be expecting uh, a 60 home run season because that's kind of a lot. Overall, the Yankees, though, um, they did lose yesterday, but they have been very impressive, and Judge has been a big reason why. Uh, let's talk about the pitcher who went for the Yankees yesterday, Garrett Cole. He went eight innings, gave up seven hits, five earned runs, and 11 strikeouts. He was not the greatest there. Uh, five of the runs came in a four-run third inning. The rest of the night was pretty good, but it doesn't really matter because it still impacts your leagues. He's someone who you might honestly, like there's not much of a buy low on him, but from where he was at the beginning of the year to right now, I think his values dropped a little bit. So there might be a little bit of wiggle room with Garrett Cole where you might be able to acquire him at a bit of a discount. Now, there may be some managers who see the five earned runs against Baltimore. Mixed with the already maybe not quite as good as we would have thought Garrett Cole to this point, you may be able to, uh, to get him at a little bit of a discount there. So uh, just something to keep in mind. I don't think it'll be a massive discount, but I do think that there will be some managers who are not quite satisfied with what they've got from him. Zach Wheeler is another one who has really turned it around after a couple of shaky starts to begin the season. He went six and two-thirds yesterday, picking up the victory. He did give up eight hits, but struck out 10, only the two earned runs. 
And, you know, he's really turned his season around. Those first few starts of the year, uh, the first three in particular, you were looking at a bit of a buy-low window, but that is completely shut. Uh, he should be one of the better pitchers in the National League going forward, I would say. Uh, he's probably going to be in Cy Young contention, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I, I'd think uh, there's a lot of names out there in the National League, but I'd say Wheeler has a pretty good chance to be in Cy Young contention this season. It was just a season high in terms of pitches and strikeouts yesterday, so really good stuff out of Zach Wheeler. Let's talk about Jeff McNeil. He's someone I was really big on going into the season, and he has really performed well. He's batting 311 with a couple of home runs and a couple steals, and he hit one of those home runs yesterday. He drove in three, sorry, drove in two, scored three, and he also stole a base. Uh, he's someone who we talked about before the season and when the season first started. He had a really bad season last year, but to this point in the season, he's returned top 100 value. So he's definitely been a discount for where you guys got him on draft day. I wouldn't trade him if you have him. I would hold on to Jeff McNeil because I just think he's going to be very valuable in that in that Mets lineup. There's not really a move to be made. So if you drafted Jeff McNeil, then it's a congratulations because he's been fantastic. Let's talk about his starting pitcher yesterday. It was David Peterson. He went six innings, gave up three hits, two earned runs, and struck out six. And he has shown this season as a fill-in starter to actually be very valuable. He is, has a 2.16 ERA. He's won a couple of games, and every time out, he's been pretty solid, giving up no more than three earned runs, which only happened the one time. So Peterson is going to be on my radar. I do expect him to stick in that rotation, given all of their injury troubles. And he's an interesting play this weekend. Uh, he'll face the Phillies. He's projected to face the Phillies should he stay in the rotation, which I'm not doubting that he will, but <clears throat> you never fully know uh, a week in advance. So he's projected to face the Phillies, but uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more as the week goes on. But as of right now, I see him as a very viable option to stream uh, against them. Let's move on to Tristan McKenzie. He has been one of my – he was one of my guys heading into the year. And to this point, he's been really solid. He went seven innings, three hits, only the three strikeouts. You'd hope for a little bit more, but only the one earned run. He's pitching to the tune of a 2.70 ERA and a .90 whip. So he has definitely uh, overperformed what I thought he would do. I thought he'd be good but he is not someone uh, who I thought would be this good. So definitely he's taken a step forward this season, and he shouldn't be on any waiver wires. I don't think that he is, but I don't think when I saw his roster percentage, I don't remember it being as high as it maybe should be, 77% rostered. He's still out there on a lot of waiver wires. If, it, if you are in one of those leagues, then I would go ahead and add him. And you can't tell me that those leagues are – not active or whatever at this point of the season because Adley Rutschman has gone up to 79% roster percentage. So there are people who are in leagues where he's just not on a roster and it shouldn't be the case. He should definitely be rostered in maybe not in the shallowest of leagues, but in pretty much every league, he's a guy who should be rostered. Jose Ramirez also had a big performance yesterday. His teammate, he went two for five with a double. He had a home run, drove in four, and also stole a base. He's been one of the more valuable players to this point of the season uh, in fantasy or in just in, in baseball in general. It'd be nice to see him win an MVP. I don't think he's going to do it. Um, but it would be kind of nice. And, I mean, as the Blue Jay fan in me, this hurts to even say because we were clo fairly close to acquiring him. But to see him sign that cheap contract, which a lot of people, including myself, were criticizing, and then to see him have this kind of season to just pretty much tell everybody to shut up, like, I know what I want, and I'm going to do it. I, I, I respect that. And he has come, come back to this team that is not a great team, and he has continued to be a superstar. So massive props to Jose Ramirez on a people level for doing what he wants, not really caring what the 
mainstream media thinks he should do and go to the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Blue Jays or one of those mainstream teams that can afford to pay him a lot more money. He took the hometown discount, and so far he's been an MVP candidate. So just uh, on a people level there, and of course on a baseball level, uh, massive props to Jose. He's been one of the best players to this point on the season. Let's talk a little bit about Whit Merrifield and the resurrection of Whit Merrifield. He really was someone who I was worried about, and he's someone who had been dropped in quite a few leagues. And you look over the last two weeks, he is the number four ranked player over the last two weeks, the fourth ranked player in category leagues. He has 15 runs, three homers, 12 ribbies, four steals, and he's batting 344 in that time. Now, his numbers on the season are still a little bit lacking because of the early start, but he's someone who is definitely going to have value going forward. I mean, I did. I was worried. Don't get me wrong. I was worried. He's gotten older. He's not going to steal much anymore, and the power was never really there much to begin with, and now it's just gone. But that doesn't seem to be the case. He's still been valuable these last couple of weeks, and there were a couple people. I mean, I'm sure there were more than a couple people. There were a couple people who reached out to me who were saying, Merrifield's on the waiver wire, should I add him? And most of the time I was saying, yeah. I mean, maybe not in the shallowest of leagues at one point there. It was looking like he was going to be a drop in like eight team leagues. Uh, you're, you're very shallow formats. But going forward, I think he's going to be what we've known in years past, which is a must-roster player in all formats. Uh, and these last couple of weeks, he's really come back into his own. They've moved him down the batting order. Now he's back leading off. So it all appears to be uh, coming back around for Whit Merrifield, which is good to see because you don't want to see a guy who is going so high in drafts just be a complete bust, um, which is what we've seen out of like Marcus Semien to this point on the season, which is pretty much total bust territory. Um, let's let's move on, though. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit about Jose Barrios and Miles Mikolas. Nicholas Mikolas, I honestly don't even know how it's pronounced. I was watching the game yesterday, and I heard it go a couple different ways. Michaelis, Michaelis, Michaelis. I'm honestly really not too sure, even after hearing, even after listening to the broadcast the whole time. I honestly don't know. So apologies to Miles. Let's talk a little bit about him. So he was able to go six and two-thirds, giving up just four hits, three earned runs, and striking out five. To this point in the season, he's pitching to a 1.96 ERA, which is stellar. Uh, I don't think anybody expected that at all. And we're going to be diving in with our guest uh, probably on Thursday. I'll have the guest on, and we will talk about Miles Mikolas and what I expect going forward from him. Uh, but to this point, we've seen incredible value out of him, and I honestly don't really know what to make of it. The advanced numbers are pretty good. They don't really indicate that he should be this good, but to this point, he's been one of the more valuable pitchers in all of baseball, uh, It's especially considering where you got him in drafts. Now, he, has he been a little bit lucky in terms of his expected ERA, expected everything versus actual outcomes? A little bit, yeah. He's getting a little bit lucky. But even with the adjustments that you can figure that will be made, um, his expected ERA is at 3.25. So even if he ends up as a 3.25 kind of guy, I think everybody would be very, very happy with that. At this point, I'm thinking he's probably in the sell-high category. But we'll do some, some more digging in with him. Uh, like I said, we'll have a guest on on Thursday who is more of a pitching expert than I am, and we will talk with him. So I don't want to give away who it is yet, but we will definitely go into a deeper dive of Michaelis on, um, on Thursday. Jose Barrios was his counterpart. And going into yesterday, this is the one game I talked about in the show yesterday because I was staying away from both of these guys. And honestly, both of these guys were 
pretty serviceable option. So Barrios went six in the third. He gave up seven hits, three earned runs, and struck out seven, which is very good. Uh, again, he has not been what we have expected uh, when we were coming into the season, Jose Barrios. We were expecting somewhere in the low threes, probably for ERA. What we've got to this point through nine starts is high fours with not the greatest strikeout numbers. Uh, overall, he's not been what we would have expected. And he's another guy we're going to dive into a little bit more on Thursday. But honestly, I feel like there's got to be a turnaround coming for, for Barrios. And we've seen it in these last couple of outings that he's been a bit better, specifically against Seattle last time out. But here, this is if he can give you this kind of outing every time out, Blue Jays fans and fantasy managers will be very happy with it. The strikeouts haven't been quite where we would have wanted to this point in the season, for sure. But striking out seven yesterday is definitely a huge plus. So I think that he'll be someone who can turn it around, regress to somewhere in the low threes, mid threes ERA, which is what we've always known him as. And I don't think we're going to have to worry too, too much about what we've seen to this point, because I think he'll start to correct it. Like I said, we'll bring in our guest on Thursday and we'll dive deeper into some of these pitching anomalies to this point. Let's talk about a couple of more position players from yesterday. And I think Julio Rodriguez warrants a bit of a deep dive here. He is someone who is going to be going incredibly high in drafts next season. I don't remember exactly where he was going this season. Uh, Definitely not where his value has been. He's the 41st ranked player to this point on the season. He's got four home runs, 18 RBIs, 12 steals, and he's batting 274. He had a home run yesterday, scored a couple of times, and drove in three. When we dive in a little bit deeper on the numbers, you see that he excels in hitting the ball hard and in his speed. Where he needs to work on is his strikeout number, which is 31.4%, which is high, but it was higher. So he's definitely improved on that a little bit. If he keeps getting that strikeout number down, then he'll be, honestly, he could be like a top 25 fantasy player if he gets that, because his average is already pretty good. It's already a 274. If he can get that up a little bit higher with the lower strikeouts, put some more balls in play, because when he puts them in play, he hits them very hard. He's in the top 10 percentile for average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, maximum exit velocity. He's he's elite with the, with the bat speed. So if he can get the strikeout numbers a little bit more down, he's going to be seriously one of the more elite players uh, in all of Major League Baseball, certainly for fantasy. But he's another guy who's rostered in 86% of leagues. So, yeah, I know that's a high percentage, but that means there's 14% of leagues where this guy is sitting there. And I don't understand it. Like I just said with Adley Rutschman, his roster percentage shot up from the 40s into high 70s over the course of like a couple days. So I don't see why Julio Rodriguez has not gone up into the 90s for roster percentages. He's still sitting on some waiver wires, probably some very shallow leagues. But nonetheless, go ahead and take a look because there's not one single league of fantasy baseball where he should not be rostered. He should be 100% rostered. There is, there's no excuse for it. Extreme value to this point in the season. And we really you, you didn't spend much on him on draft day. So if you can get him on waivers at this point, it means your league is probably not too competitive. But if you want to still be competitive in those leagues, there's one or two leagues I'm in that aren't too competitive. You can still have fun in those leagues. But if you do see a guy like him sitting on the waivers, you got to pick him up, right? There's no, there's no reasoning for it. He's going to be one of the best players rest of season. And going into next season, I saw a couple people on Twitter talking about where he'd be drafted next year. And it looks like he's going to be a first-round pick next season in fantasy. So he's someone who you need to go and pick up if he's available. Uh, obviously, through trade is going to be kind of tricky. 
you're going to want a king's ransom for him if you're getting rid of him. And you're going to have to give up probably the rights to your firstborn child if you're trying to get him at this point, specifically in a dynasty format. To buy him is going to be very impossible, pretty impossible anyway. In a redraft league, you're also going to have to give up quite a bit. So if you have him, then God bless. If you don't have him, you're probably not going to get him. But if he is on waivers in one of those leagues that I was talking about, then you need to go and pause pause the show right now and go and look at your waiver wire and go pick him up. We went over pretty much all the big guys I wanted to go over from yesterday. Let's talk about some of the guys today who are interesting to me, more so in terms of pitching matchups. Now, this isn't going to be guys that you go ahead and you add because most of these guys are already rostered, but I just wanted to talk about a couple of the more interesting pitching matchups here. We have a must-watch game here, a Battle of Florida, happening at 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a must-watch game because of the pitching matchup. Pablo Lopez and Shane McClanahan, guys that I have plenty of shares of, specifically McClanahan. I'm going to be glued to the TV starting at 6.40 because this is you, this might be the AL and the NL Cy Young Award winner going up against each other tonight. It's very possible that these guys both run uh, – take home the trophy at the end of the season. It's still very early, but to this point, they have been two of the more impressive guys that we've seen. So overall, their teams don't interest me so much. I mean, the Rays are always kind of interesting because they find ways to win with really without that much talent, uh, to be frank. And the Marlins are just not that interesting, specifically uh, Jazz Chisholm. I don't know if he's going to be playing today because he had some kind of injury. He is day-to-day with hamstring tightness. Not sure if he's going to be playing today, but it doesn't really matter if he's playing or not. Uh, this is a game that I think is must-watch for baseball fans, uh, fantasy and and just regular baseball fans as well because these guys are truly at the top of their game right now. So Lopez and McClanahan, 6.40 p.m., that is one that I would definitely be tuned into, no questions there. Another game that I would definitely be tuned into, although it's going to be happening around the same time, so you're going to have to pick and choose or maybe flip-flop the channels a little bit here. Walker Buehler and Josiah Gray is the pitching matchup between the Dodgers and the Nationals. We have Josiah Gray facing the team that traded him so that they could acquire Max Scherzer. He is going to have to work on his walk rate a little bit, and he didn't walk anybody the last time out. Uh, He was zero walks, seven strikeouts, over six solid innings at Miami last time. If he's starting to work on the walk numbers, if he can get those down, then I'm going to be really excited for him, but he does tend to walk quite a few guys, and he doesn't play on a great team. So overall, he's not really a a play to this point, specifically not tonight against the Dodgers. Uh, I don't want to be misunderstood here. He's not a recommended play. I'm interested in this game as a baseball fan more so than fantasy fan. I think that he is going to be an elite pitcher for the next few years, and I do think there is a bit of a... I don't know. Revenge game is kind of a stupid term, but it's nice to see a guy facing a team that traded him. On the other side, Walker Bueller should be in line for a very good outing here. He's corrected himself. Uh, he's had a couple of bad outings throughout the course of the season, but overall he's on a pretty solid course, a 289 ERA. It's a little bit higher than it maybe should be. There's a couple of outings there, the Philadelphia outing. That's that's the main one, really. Um, but a couple of outings that inflated the ERA and the whip a bit higher than they should be. So this is a great matchup for Walker to really get back on track tonight. And I would fully expect him to do that. Not that he's off track, but this is a very good opportunity for him to have a good outing. Uh, his last outing was five innings, two earned runs against Arizona, four strikeouts. Not doesn't blow you away. I mean, it's kind of replacement pitcher level there. 
So we're hoping to see a bit better here against the Nationals. That is, those are the main uh, really interesting pitching matchups. But there's one more we're going to touch on really quickly. It's Chris Bassett and it's Logan Webb. I think that this one will also be very interesting. And, you know, these are two great teams. So it's going to be a good game to watch regardless. And it also doesn't fit into that same timeline as the other two games I was talking about. So you will be able to watch all of the games. Well, okay, you're going to have to flip back and forth between the earlier time games. But this one here is pretty much going to be the only one really worth watching in this time frame. Uh, Milwaukee and San Diego, you could argue as well. But I think this is going to be the one where you should have your eyes on. Chris Bassett, one of my favorite pitchers in baseball, and he's really – we're going to see how valuable he is now that the Mets have lost Scherzer and DeGrom and Tyler McGill. He's going to be a guy who is relied upon. He's essentially the ace of the rotation right now. So we're going to need to see him perform like the ace we've seen over the last couple of seasons, and I don't have any doubt that he can do that. It's a tough matchup on the road in San Francisco, but I'm expecting a solid outing from Chris Bassett. Logan Webb on the other side has also been very good, and his numbers throughout the season, really, he, he's been fantastic, honestly. The numbers don't really show it on the surface, but and it, a lot of it's because of the low strikeout numbers. But he has only had one game where he's given up more than three earned runs. He keeps the team involved gives them a chance to win every time out he's already got five victories on the season so he's definitely a good play tonight both of these guys good plays for dfs for season long i would expect them both to perform well let's talk about the waiver wire a little bit we'll talk about some of the more added and dropped players to this point today and the main one being added to this point is nick pavetta so he had a great outing last time against the astros he had the complete game gave up just two hits struck out eight there are a lot of metrics that concern me, and he was also mentioned in the article that I wrote over the weekend. Second highest average exit velocity in the majors at 92.4 miles an hour, and the fourth highest hard hit rate at 48.3%. You take that and you look at his career ERA of 510. He's been around a few years now. This isn't a small sample size. This is five, five or so years of pitching. I'm not rushing to stream him. I know a lot of people are rushing to add him. There's a couple of good starts in a row there, but... I'm not too interested in it. I just don't think that the track record has proven that we need to, to to trust that. I think it was a very good start. But, I mean, look at Reed Detmers. He threw the no-hitter earlier this season, and the people were jumping all over him as if it was going to be, you know, the second coming. And it wasn't the case. And it was pretty clearly not going to be the case if you dug into the numbers. You saw he had a great outing, but it's just not who he is. And you see these performances throughout baseball history – you got your Dallas Braden perfect game, your Philip Humber perfect game. There are guys who have outlier kind of great performances. They happen. Nick Pavetta's uh, complete game against the Astros, for me, is one such a game where it's not really the norm. We see it and we don't really know what's going on. The last couple outings have been pretty good for him, so I understand why people would want to be adding, but I don't think he's going to be worth an add. I think there are a lot better guys that you can be adding, and I think one of the guys – Who's, who's definitely a better add there, is Jordan Montgomery. So he's still available in a lot of places. He's similar roster percentage. I think Montgomery's rostered a little bit more. But you can grab him today. You can get the start against the Orioles, and then you can have a second start later in the week, which will be against Tampa Bay. That would be my preferred add for today is Jordan Montgomery. He's been pretty solid to this point of the season because he doesn't give up a lot of hard contact, and he doesn't walk a lot of batters. He's been a very strong play for me in a couple of leagues. There's one or two leagues where I've streamed him. There's one or two leagues where I've just rostered him. And in every case, he's been pretty valuable. He's not gotten a ton of run support. But in the 
in the strikeouts and the ratio categories, he's been someone who's been very valuable. So I think that streaming him in here today and getting the two starts makes a hell of a lot of sense. Let's talk about Ronzi Contreras. I talked about him a little bit yesterday, and I'm going to be waiting and seeing on him. He's going to need to be pretty much perfect for the Pirates. Um, they did not have a pitcher, a starting pitcher, record a victory until game 28. And through their first 40 games, they won two games as a starting pitching staff. So the wins are not exactly – they're not exactly flush for wins out there in Pittsburgh, specifically with the starters. Contreras, yes, he, the outlook is fantastic. He's a great prospect. But until we actually see him go out there and perform for a bad team, there's not many pitchers, if you look around the majors, on bad teams who are viable fantasy candidates. You add in the fact that he's a rookie, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of concern there for me. I'm not going to be using an ad at this point. I'm not going to be using a ton of fab money if you play in a fab format. I think you need to wait and see. If you're in a deeper league, 14, 16 plus teams, then a speculative ad might make sense. But especially in category leagues, I don't think it makes sense with the lack of wins we're going to be seeing from him. You're, you're taking a zero in a couple of categories. In wins, obviously, and in saves, you're, the ratios are going to kind of be hit or miss, you have to assume, playing for that team. Uh, for right now, I'm not going to be adding him. For right now, I think it makes sense to just leave him on waiver wires. Kyle Freeland is another guy who has been streamed quite a bit, and the matchup against Pittsburgh is certainly attractive. But when you start to dig in, I don't. I've, you guys who have listened to the show regularly know I'm not a big Kyle Freeland guy. I don't know why the Rockies gave him all that money. I don't think he's that good. But a lot of people like him for whatever reason. But when you dig into the numbers here, I don't think it really backs it up. He's in the bottom 25% of pitchers in terms of expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, expected ERA, and his strikeouts. He's also giving up a career-high 41% hard hit rate. 41% of the balls that hit from, or that are hit off of him are hit hard. There would be better options throughout the week, including, like I said, Jordan Montgomery today. I wouldn't use a move on Kyle Freeland personally. I don't think he's worth it. Patrick Wisdom, if we move on to the next guy who has been added quite a bit, He's striking out over 40% of the time, Patrick Wisdom, so that's definitely a huge concern. He's going to hurt you in the batting average a little bit. But at this point, pretty much everybody's hurting you in batting average, so it doesn't matter as much as it might have in previous seasons. What he does well is hit for power, and he showed us last season that he can really go off. He's not going to be someone who's really highly regarded. He's not a household name. He's 53% rostered, even though he sits inside the top 100. So he has 10 home runs to this point of the season in 132 at-bats. Last year, he hit 28 home runs in 338 at-bats, which is just over half a season, 338. Last season, he was projecting as over a 40 home run guy. This season, he's already got 10 in 130 at-bats. If he gets 500 at-bats, you got to figure he can give you, I mean, he's not going to hit 50 home runs, but he's going to hit somewhere, I think 30 home runs is very doable. I think if you're just looking for power and you're not so concerned about batting average, Patrick Wisdom is a solid, solid ad. So he's only rostered, like I said, in just over 50% of leagues, 53%. He's homered in four straight games, so he's probably going to be added quite a bit today. I would be jumping on him and adding him before, uh, before someone else in your league does. Now, if we move into the guys who have been dropped in a lot of cases, I think it makes sense to start with Zach Grinke. Oh, man. Tough tough game for Zach Grinke and Zach Grinke managers. He has been someone who I've been pretty high on, uh, but his old team really got a hold of him yesterday for seven earned runs over three and two-thirds. It ballooned the ERA 
um, to 4.53. I still have some faith in him. I don't think that he's a guy you have to be getting rid of, but I think uh, we're definitely a little bit worried. We're definitely a, a, a touch worried here. Uh, he did strike out a season-high five batters, but the fact that the season-high is five strikeouts, again, concerning. Uh, I completely understand you guys who have moved on from him. Marco Gonzalez, I talked about yesterday a little bit. He's been dropped quite a bit, and honestly, I'm not the big Marco Gonzalez fan. Uh, he got the win yesterday, over five and a third, gave up eight hits, five earned runs, struck out three. Very, very fortunate to get the victory there. It, it kind of goes to show you how meaningless victories really are as a stat. He did get the win despite having a rough performance. I totally understand moving on from him. He's not somebody that I have a lot of faith in. A lot of people dropped Alex Cobb. And like I said, that's not should not be the case. If you are in one of those leagues where he was dropped, more than 2,000 leagues on Yahoo today alone have dropped him. So if you are in one of those leagues, go at him. Uh, really remarkable here on Yahoo. We saw a Freddy Peralta drop uh, drop off by 3% in his roster percentage. He was dropped by almost 1,000 teams. He is going to be missing a quote-unquote, it's going to be a quote-unquote, lengthy absence due to his shoulder. So maybe there are some shallow leagues that have gotten rid of him there. We don't really know what's going to be happening here, what lengthy absence really means. He's on the injured list. Uh, to drop him, I think, is ridiculous at this point before we really know what the problem is, how long a length. Lengthy could be three weeks. Lengthy could be two months. Lengthy could be Tommy John. We don't know what the hell it's going to be. It's not okay. It's not going to be Tommy John, most likely. We don't know. So to drop him right now, I think is is really jumping the gun. I would not do that. I would hold on to we have a bit more information until we know exactly what's going on. Because to drop him right now is very premature. You spent a very high draft pick on a guy for six weeks worth of play. I mean, I would want to be more sure than we are right now before I was doing that kind of move. Those are the main, mainly dropped players today. And I think that will wrap up our show, guys. We're just over the half-hour mark. And as I said yesterday, I want to try and give you guys a bit of a shorter show. I realized that some of my shows had gone over an hour, and I realized that is a bit time-consuming for you guys every day to listen for an hour. So we're going to be trying to hit you with more of a half-hour, 35, 40-minute show. And we're going to come in just under 40 minutes today. So I hope that's good for you guys. Let me know on Twitter if you guys like these newer formats that I've done this last week or so. Personally, I much prefer it, but of course, I'm a man of the people, so I'll be guided by you. You guys can find me on Twitter, once again, at JoeOrico99, that's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there for links to the show, uh, threads, different stuff, and of course, you can DM me, tweet at me, ask me questions, I'll try and get back right away. Uh, my other followers will attest that I am very quick with answers, so if you guys hit me up with questions, I will get back to you as soon as possible. We will see you again tomorrow for the Wednesday edition. We'll look back on today and also get you ready for tomorrow. Hope everybody has a very successful day. Cheers.